In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And greetings, everybody. Welcome on a Monday. Good to have you with us back in the booth. Working our way through the week and the start of the basketball season. No football game this weekend and certainly football news that we will address here over the uh, course of the program as we uh, just get rolling. Tommy's at the controls. Brian Higgins in the shotgun seat today. And uh, we'd love to have your input as well. You can join us at any time at 315-437-7644. That's 315-437-7644. Later in the show, we'll visit with Wes Durham of the ACC Network. Wes uh, not only had the uh, Syracuse-Boston College football game in the Dome Saturday, but we'll be right back here for his show, which is one of the flagship components of the ACC Network. The uh, Packer and Durham program will be airing live from the Carmelo Anthony Center uh, Wednesday morning, part of promoting this Syracuse-Virginia basketball game, which is one of the ways the network was set up, but it's why the schedule is the way it is. It's why you've got 20 conference games. It's why you're opening with a conference game, and for Syracuse that happens to be a home game against the defending champs, and so we'll get into that. But, uh, of course, we got to start with the football coaching change that was made yesterday with the announcement uh, in the afternoon that uh, Dino Babers has uh, parted ways with defensive coordinator Brian Ward. Uh, they go back to their time, uh, really even in FCS football, with Babers, the head coach at Eastern Illinois. Ward was the defensive coordinator at Western Illinois. And Ward's background is kind of from that North Dakota state program that wins and wins and wins at the, the FCS level. And Babers said, look, I, I have a hard time going against this guy. I want this guy on my team. And they were together at uh, Bowling Green and then here. But uh, following Saturday's game, which uh, dropped the orange to 0-5 and in ACC play, and in the way the Orange lost, allowing a program record nearly 500 yards of total offense. BC was able to do anything it wanted from a big play perspective. Uh, ran the ball up the gut over and over and over with the best running back in the conference, or s- certainly among them, if not the best, and the backup and the whole deal. And so a change uh, needed to be made, and uh, that is what brings us to this moment. Brian Brian Ward, uh, no longer the defensive coordinator. Dave Standard will take over that role for the remaining three games of the regular season. That's unfortunate. I mean, all the assistant coaches that have been associated with Dino during his time here, pretty much to a man, have been good guys, easy to talk to, all that stuff. So you feel bad from a, a personal level and the thing that sort of gets lost in the wash with all these things are the families and all that. And these coaches and all of them kind of live a, a vagabond life in many ways, bouncing around the country. I'm sure Brian will uh, pop up somewhere, but uh, stinks that, I mean, his oldest son's in high school right now and three young kids and Families likely will have to move somewhere and all that stuff. That stinks. But at the same time, you're right. It was basically, it wasn't four, literally four straight plays, but it felt like it was four straight drives that ended in 50-plus yard touchdown drives. This season has obviously gone off the rails for one reason or another. It is certainly not just Brian's fault. Wherever blame needs to or you want to or however you want to assign it, 
and the, I guess really the only question is, okay, Dino, I'm sure made up his mind that this change needed to be made. Does it need to be made now? Are you going to make it in a month? What's the difference between those two things? That I don't really know, but maybe it's just something Dino saying, hey, we got to do something now, and we'll figure out the rest later. And I think that's what it is. Like, where are you going to go? Now, one of the coordinators is always the easiest spot to look for the first move to make. And we'll see if it jolts the guys. you got a bye week now. Steve Standard is the other coach on the staff that has defensive coordinator history, so at least have a guy that knows the ins and outs of literally calling the plays, getting them in, stuff like that. And that's probably the smoothest transition the rest of the way. But it's tough, and it's amazing how fast it goes. It was two years ago, right around now, that Brian Ward was a Broyles Award watch list guy in the middle of the season when the defense had really picked up steam, the turnover streak, all that stuff. But it's just not working right now, and that's kind of what happens. No, my feeling on it was uh, certainly walking away from the game Saturday, I felt as though absolutely a change, changes are going to be changed or changes are absolutely going to be made to this coaching staff at season's end. Certainly Ward would be the first guy you would think of because that's the one that makes the most obvious change. Now, do I think Syracuse is like automatically a better team today? Or No, I don't at all. I don't, I don't think that um, – I think these changes are more cosmetic than they are real. I, I do think that – Especially when they're done now, you know, if you if you think that, that this you're, is going to miraculously, what kind of defense you play the rest no, of the year? That this is going to miraculously be a better team. Like if they had a game this week, and they the, the timing of it also, I think, was part of what played into this here. Uh, the fact of the matter is, they don't have a game for another uh, twelve days, as Seth pointed out. It's a four o'clock game at Duke. Will they be miraculously better on defense? No. Is Steve Stanner going to tell the players to stand in a different place or a lineup differently than uh, where Brian Ward told them? Absolutely not. And we'll go into the review of, of the Boston College game. But one thing about Dino Babers is he said, look, we're not going to continue to try the same thing and, and expect different results. It was It's always been apparent that he was going to do some sort of shakeup here. Uh, I suppose I had the slightest tinge of surprise that yesterday was the day, but now the more I think of it, I'm not surprised at all. Um, so absolutely something was going to happen. I think even... I don't think anybody involved here would say, oh, well, this is going to be this immediate uh, fix-all and, and everything. No, it's it's to demonstrate that you're not just sitting back. I'm sure the thought is if you're going to make this decision on December 1st, you might as well do it on uh, November 3rd. And that allows you know him to get out there in the marketplace if, if so be it, or you're looking for your next coach in that uh, way, so be it. It puts the co- players on notice in a really obvious way that look uh, something this is this is egregious this went from bad to worse a, a really important step needed to be taken where uh, somebody's lost his job and everybody that's been in coaching for a period of time has been fired everybody on that Syracuse staff has been I, I've gone down man by man but I'm sure they've all been fired somewhere along the line Dino Babers has been fired so it's just the way it is and uh, it, unfortunately that's that's a tough part of it but that, that's that's what these guys sign up for um, in terms of the role, so it does stink for uh, Brian Ward, who's a, a is a good guy and, and a wife and three kids. But um, now it's a matter of what what do you do from here? Will there be more? H- how about you know what's going to change? If you're wondering what, why defense instead of offense, well, there, there's plenty of blame. In my opinion, all kinds of issues here. Plenty of blame to go around. Um, but the way they lost Saturday was the the blow. To uh, to Brian Ward, uh, 
big play differential is a really important thing, and that means that's bringing into account both your offense and defense. And mm-hmm. going into that game against uh, BC, Syracuse had allowed uh, eight plays on the season of uh, 50 yards or more. And as you said, Brian, they weren't four consecutive plays, but they may as well have been. It's four consecutive drives. Four 50-yard touchdowns in the second quarter alone scored by Boston College, and uh, that's all she wrote. So uh, that had a lot to do with that uh, that situation. Now, last year, Syracuse won 10 games. Big plays for and against were basically a wash. And the Orange didn't need him as much on offense because right. the they, big plays on defense were getting the offense correct. a length of field where they didn't have to go that far. Correct. They couldn't have gone that far. Last year, Syracuse had 199 offensive plays of 10 yards or better. That ranked 35th in the country. They gave up 193, so almost as many, and that was 93rd in the country. In 20-yard plays, offensively they were 28th best. Defensively, they were 108th worst. And in 50-yard plays last year, Syracuse's offense was 21st best. And the defense was 127th. So last year there was, uh, you know, if you're just looking at 10-yard plays, there and, and 20, there was not that big a gap. Um, really, overall, there was not that huge a gap. This year, the... Defense in nine games has already given up 146 plays of 10 yards or more. That ranks 122nd in the country. The defense has already allowed 12 plays of 50 yards or more. That is second to last in the country. Um, so those are the types of things right now that are bad. But it's there's complementary issues here. The defense is exposed by the amount of time it's on the field. And, Haven't been uh, playing with the lead as much. Yeah, and A.J. Dillon's been making people look bad. Throughout, yeah, throughout his career, he's the all-time leading rusher at Boston College. That game uh, the other day was his uh, sixth game this year, fifth game this year with at least 150 yards, and he was well over that. He was over 200. Um, so that is uh, how it goes, unfortunately, uh, for Syracuse and for uh, for them. Changes uh, need to be made to give a, a bit of an idea of what can be different. Brian and I uh, watched that second quarter kind of on fast forward a little bit today. I wanted to get a closer picture of just what was happening on these play action plays that hit for uh, BC and and uh, why why was it so easy for them to get seven and eight yard runs? And we'll talk about that when we come back on the show. West Durham of ACC Network will join us as well. And your phone calls are welcome at 315-437-7644. That's 315 315- Four three seven seven six four four. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company, born in Germany, raised in Syracuse. Hoffman Taste Tells. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. And we're back. Brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Hoffman Taste Tells. The Orange football team off this weekend. Back at it against Duke. Not a traditional road game. As Brian was talking about, it was. It's been a while since. Uh, the Orange have visited Durham for football. Been there in every other sport much more recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking forward and to surrounding that. it. Like, we're there yeah, so oh yeah, much we, now. We've parked at Wallace Wade Stadium to go to other events. Like, but, we, uh, we flew to the airport yeah. and stayed at the hotel like three weeks ago. Yes. And uh, so it's always good to uh, make that Nin- trip. 1938, last trip there for the football. Yeah, looking forward to that. Wallace Wade the, coaching. Yeah, the next two football games come with 
basketball conflicts, which means we're going to miss basketball games. Don't don't uh, enjoy that. Speak for yourself. That's right. You'll be there, and uh, the game's on the uh, 16th and 23rd, so football on the road, basketball at home. In the NIT, basketball starts here Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, tip-off, the Orange and Virginia. Syracuse women open their season tomorrow night at uh, 8 p.m. against a good Ohio program. Of course, you can hear those games right here. The uh, women's games on 97.7 tomorrow night and the men on TK99 on Wednesday. Also on twitch.com slash Talk. Seth and the guys, some former players like Roosevelt Bowie, Lawrence Moten, uh, Eric Devendorf will be uh, involved in uh, a new Twitch show where they'll watch the game for you. You don't need to watch the game. They'll watch the game and react. It's a second screen type of uh, concept there if you'd like to uh, have that along with you. Uh, more information available on that as we talk about it throughout the week, Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. All right, today we wanted to watch back some of really what uh, was a gruesome um, outing Saturday for the Syracuse football defense in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Orange did have a lead 17-10 at the end of the first quarter. First play of the second quarter is a long BC touchdown. They would go on to score 34 points in that quarter. And Brian, to me, we watched a lot of things. I don't know that this goes down on the defensive coordinator because BC was able to do it in every which way. First of all, A.J. Dillon is 250 pounds. He's a bruiser. He hits hard. He's behind a big offensive line. He was carrying people. Yeah, when he got hit, he did not arrive on the ground until he felt like it. Right. Which was usually a few yards later. Or many, many yards later if he really felt like it. <laughs> Evan Foster, who you would say is the hardest-hitting defensive back that Syracuse has, saw one carry where in the hole they, they meet. hit him head up in the hole. And Foster wound up you know, getting credit for the tackle and everything, but four yards after initial contact. And... That's what happens when, you know, for uh, Dino Babers, he's a man of many analogies, and he would be talking about a dump truck or whatever against the Pinto. And when six, uh, two and two fifty hits six feet and two fifteen, two fifty is going to win out, and that collision is going to be on his terms. And he's that, a dump truck with a sporty engine too. That's right, he's absolutely got, he's got has the ability gears. to get away and. And, uh, you know, if not a first-round pick, I would think he is up there and just based on productivity alone uh, is an NFL player because uh, that's what happened. And, and I don't know that I know enough of the nuance of it to know exactly what could have been done differently or changed. Now, then you have the big explosive plays, and there's obviously problems going on there. And two of them in particular, at least two, were heavy play action. Evan Foster, again, is kind of a run-stopping safety. He's up. The ball's thrown where he came from, and that's a problem. I'd say, and almost the bigger problem, because it's those four 50-plus yard touchdowns in a row, and some of them were plus-plus. There was a 74-yard touchdown run in there by David Bailey. But you look at those four in a row, and there's twice it's the play action where, I don't know if it's Evans' fault or not. It might have been his job to sell out up there to, to stop the run, and Cisco or Corner or whomever should have been the guy in the back end or whatever it was. And we obviously don't know what the guy's specific assignments were on the play. But when you're selling out on all four of them, two passes, two runs, Syracuse had sold out to stop the run. So it's almost more, I don't know what's more disconcerting. The two guys are wide open. Okay, but you're selling out to stop the run so things can happen. Risk you take. But you sold out to stop the run on the two long touchdown runs and gave up two long touchdown runs, which 
maybe is more disconcerting in a way because you're like, okay, let's go stop these guys from running, and they blast you for a long one. So uh, not, none of it was good, and it was hard watching to try to figure out, okay, was it this safety, that safety, and when it comes down to it, it's not one guy. It's you're not. It's not. We say Evan's name. We're not laying at Evan Foster's feet. I'm sure he had a partner. Or should Andre Cisco have been uh, deep in a free safety role? Maybe should it have been one of the corners? Were they supposed to guard a different guy? And just the uh, matchups were supposed to shake out differently. Was it crafty play calling by Boston College? Their stuff kind of all looks the same, but maybe it's got a slight little wrinkle and it's hard to figure it out. I don't know. But when it's four of them in a row, wow. I mean, it's just, you can't do it? Yeah, the cumulative effect. And I am very, very reluctant and almost never one of those who jumps to the the E word that I think fans or snarky media types like to throw on. Embarrassing. Oh, it's embarrassing. Well, Syracuse and BC have been playing a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And now if anything happens that's the most or the worst in a series that goes for more than 50 games, well, that's not good. 58 points, the most that BC had ever scored. In fact, 42 was the most prior to that. So you're talking about that basically the most points allowed, most yards allowed, most rushing yards allowed in any game ever, most lopsided loss to Boston College, et cetera. So nothing good came from that uh, on Saturday. They did get a great recruit, it looks like, uh, after the game, which is an important uh, kind of shot in the arm. But Especially for those that are saying, oh, no, the recruiting is ruined. However, <laughs> right. will you get more players? Right. Well... If those two things happen on the same day, so it's not always a one-to-one ratio of how that stuff goes down and how high school kids are wooed and impressed. Sure, and one of the ways you get recruits is to show them, look, you can be the solution to our problem, mm-hmm. and you can come Late here time. and play, and we need you, and all that type of thing. The uh, total yards in that game, Syracuse very often, you know, 448 for total yards, you like their chances, yeah, but so uh, not in that one. BC, 691 total yards, 496 on the ground, and it obscured what in some ways uh, was a decent game for the Orange. That deep passing game is really the best thing they've got going for them offensively right now. Do your best to protect it up, block it up, and DeVito throws a great deep ball, and you can get Taj Harris and and Tristan Jackson deep uh, if you get them isolated. So uh, that's something to look for going forward, but there's more than just one thing here that needs to be fixed. If they are, at this stage, obviously a bowl game, um, is off in the distance as an unlikely thing, but it's mathematically available, and and to win uh, three remaining games, uh, they're going to have to fix some things to do that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a long way to go, especially when two are on the road. The one you got in the Dome is a pretty good Wake Forest team that's they've been putting up points on everybody. They lit up NC State this past weekend, but you go back to Brian Ward being let go, and you know we know the way Coach Babers operates. He he didn't just, you know, the game was going on. He didn't in the third quarter say, well, get out right. without having considered it before. Clearly, he must have considered it before this week. Is okay, how am I? This is what these coaches do. They they think about these things nonstop all day long. How can we improve the team? So he probably already come to the conclusion that most likely end of the year going to have to make this move. This game happens, you make it now. Well, how does this help? How it helps next year is one thing. You're going to hire somebody new, maybe a scheme change, maybe whatever. That's for December and spring ball and next August and next year. How does it help this month? Well, do these guys that we're talking about, the, the word embarrassed, I know the guys in the team probably were embarrassed of how that, that went down. They don't want to look like that. Does this fire them up in a way for the last month that does something? 
that on defense you go out and do any of these guys play better, not because Brian Ward isn't there, but because of of what you said before. It's a it's an eye-opening experience. Whoa, this guy that's been here the whole time we've been here just lost his job. Maybe we need to do something better. So th- does that do anything in a way that helps out over the rest of the season? It's not the plays Steve Standard will be calling or the plays that Brian Ward might have called instead. Is it something like that that can give you something down the stretch? That even though this season didn't go well, can that ignite something in this month that's now good going toward next year? Sure, and I think it, you'd like to think that your players don't need that, but they're in a mess. Right. You know, and the idea that, okay, now this is real – has got to provide some sort of spark. I do think the bye week allows for more time to kind of go through that whole process, the licking of wounds, the realization that this is dire, the build-up to a road game against an opponent you don't have any real experience with. You didn't play him last year or the year before. Uh, And then just try to coalesce and get something going here. But... You know, it was likely a change that was probably going to be made at the end of the season anyway, and uh, they're looking for a little bit of spark here. It is for the the show of it at this point, and uh, we'll see just what is next and what type of team is on the field in uh, 12 days at Duke. We'll take a break here, visit with Wes Durham when we come back. Wes is with the ACC Network. He had the football game Saturday. He will be back uh, in town for his radio show, which is on the ACC Network later this week. More on that as we continue in the booth from ESPN Radio Syracuse. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Good to have you back with us. Remember, the uh, basketball season's open this week. Women tomorrow night against Ohio in the Dome. That's an 8 o'clock start. Get used to the uh, later start times. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only an ACC network construct, but literally because of construction. Because the uh, Dome is... Uh, a construction site uh, during the day. It's a little harder to get in there for the setup of such things, so some later games. Women open tomorrow at 8 against Ohio, and the men open Wednesday night at 9 against Virginia, a UVA team that won the title last year but has lost uh, three starters. Now we head to the Burdick Toyota guest line. Welcome in our friend Wes Durham, who uh, had the game on TV Saturday, and we'll be back this week. We'll tell you about that in a bit, but uh, Wes, we're Kind of going over it. I know you've been around the business long enough to see your share of coaching staff shuffles, and and uh, Brian Ward becomes a casualty of what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sorry for Brian and his family that it ends like that, Matt. Obviously, I mean you feel for anybody in the business, but it is a production business. Whether you're the head coach or a coordinator, um, that's kind of where this has gotten, you know. Um, and it's been a tough year for the Orange. There's no getting around it. Injuries have certainly played a role in it, but at the same time, too, the you know the work on that side of the ball has not been consistent with any shape of uh, of what it was a year ago, and I'm sure that's frustrating to a lot of people who follow the program closely. That's right. So a nose tackle gone to the NFL, and then a replacement in that position. Doing you know one of the two defensive tackles has been out uh, for the year. There were mm-hmm. uh, two starting defensive backs out for a two-three game stretch. They've come back, but uh, those are one of the issues. Uh, that the defense uh, had to work through. From your perspective, when BC lights it up there in the second quarter, what were you seeing and what were your analysts talking about when, uh, and we went back and watched it a little bit this morning, I'd never seen anything quite like that where basically it was four 50-yard touchdowns in a row uh, in the span Mm -hmm. of just a handful of plays. Well, two things. One, um, it looked like that, 
somehow or another in the, in the process of the play action passes from Grossell to Flowers and the other one to Kobe White that both times the safety got down in the wash. And essentially what happened was the safety was coming down to try and defend the run because the box wasn't able to hold either Dylan or Bailey, right? So the extra guy was down, and it actually happened to be the – and they were using almost the tight end, the rubber out, and that's how both White and Flowers – it was the same play twice, just two different guys and two different spots on the route tree, but – uh, it was basically the same scheme. And then the other thing was, and, you know, you can call it 100 paper cuts or whatever, but the idea that, that Boston College was just going to line up and run the ball, I mean, you and I had talked about it. BC was, BC was going to see how big you wanted to get and, and then what kind of math were you going to play, right? And they've seen just about everything. It's like playing an option team who sees every you know imaginable defense. Boston College has certainly seen it when it comes to the run game. And that's one of the things that I think is interesting about uh, BC and their tactic is they just dare you to kind of say, okay, here we come. Can you stop us? But I think the the safety play was the most glaring on the two long throws. But the other part was you got to be a willing tackler in this game. Boston College wants to reduce it to its least common denominator. And Syracuse didn't respond to that. And whether that was the scheme that was set up, whether that was something else in the package, I don't know. But the reality of the, of the Saturday game was is that that's what it was going to be, and I thought I thought Syracuse did a good job answering. I thought Devito threw the long ball to Tristan Jackson, you know, to kind of get it at what twenty four twenty, and and then all of a sudden the wheels come off on those four drives. And when you can get Boston College out front like that this year, at least Syracuse is not built to rally from such a deficit. West Durham, our guest, and West, I'm curious. You were here for those two games in uh, September, the Western Michigan and. Holy Cross mm. wins, and and now you're back here uh, on Saturday. What a little more than a month later, can you compare? I guess just the vibe you saw around then versus just the general vibe you were getting around the team and the staff and all that this past weekend. You know, I think Brian, the the one thing that you have with with Coach Babers is you have for the most part a veteran staff. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean there's still some younger coaches, but for the most part, you're talking about guys that have been with him either through direct association or, you know, like some branch of a tree, if you will, in the coaching journey. And I think that, you know, he understands and they understand uh, what the differentials are from one year to the next. And some of it is, you know, what you were hoping that guys who maybe played a role last year, if they got a more pronounced um, role in the team would step up. Maybe that's happened. Maybe that hasn't happened. I don't think in, 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 short answer here, Brian, it's all fair to lay it on one guy or one area, if that makes sense. Nothing like this that happens is ever, let's hypothetically say, the responsibility of the running back or the linebacker or the whatever. It's a collaborative effort, and I've seen it happen. You know, I had a a Georgia Tech team in my tenure there that won 10 games and went to the Orange Bowl, right? And the next year finished six and six in the regular season and got beat by air force in Kansas in the same year. Um, and, and those teams were a little bit like Syracuse and that they were teams that, you know, were different personality, but had players who contributed the year before. When you go from being a contributor to being a player, um, sometimes that transition is not as easy. The second part of it is, is that it makes the off season a little longer. This will be a long off season coming up for the Orange if, if the the last three weeks of this don't go very well. 
And, and that's a difficult thing to go through, but it also defines the team that moves forward. And I think that the one thing about this is, and I, and I spent some time, I told Matt last weekend, I spent some time looking back at, at Dino's track record to find out what it was like the first year at Eastern Illinois. What did it look like the first year at Bowling Green? Those type things. And I think the good news is for Orange fans is he's kind of been through this, and he understands the, the mechanics and the philosophies that, that go in place when you, have to, when you have to get out of a season like this and try to get to higher ground the next fall. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, bringing somebody from outside the family, et cetera, because one of the great positives of Dino Babers as head coach is he had been a head coach before, and many mm-hmm. of these people have been with him at previous stops. There's, it's a more cohesive group than really any of the staffs had been. You know, Scott Schaefer's uh, staff, a lot of guys he had common connections with but hadn't necessarily worked together. You know, they knew a right. lot of the same people and that type of thing. It hadn't uh, quite been like that, and and uh, for Babers, it's a rare sort of shaking of the foundation mm-hmm. there. I, I know he hated to do it, but he's also a guy who's not just going to stand around. And uh, no, you bring up a good point. There's nothing easy about what decision was made in terms of Brian Ward, and you know, let's let's be honest. There may be others, right? Sure. I mean, in a scenario like this, there could be you know a couple more. Who knows? Um, there, there's the dynamic in play when you have to say goodbye to people who you're connected with more so than just a year or two. And in the case of somebody like Brian, it has been, it has been an association and that's a disappointing thing to do. And it's a difficult thing to do, but it's also the, you know, the tough day of being the head coach. And, uh, and that's the kind of thing that you have to be able to rally from with your next hire, be it the new defensive coordinator or the way you, you know, restructure a lot of things. I mean, I do the Atlanta Falcons on radio, as you guys know, and Dan Quinn just announced this morning that he's reassigned three football coaches on his staff to different positions on the field. I mean, I was going to ask you about that because is that what you start to do? Because obviously he's under fire and everybody knows it, but you, Mm -hmm. you you can't go into that meet. He's going to have an uncomfortable meeting with Mr. Blank. I would, I'm sure at some point, and you can't go into that and say, well, I didn't think to try X, Y, Z. Yep. That's exactly right. And when you're in the NFL and you're at the midway point and Atlanta comes off the bye and plays in New Orleans on Sunday, those are the type decisions that when you make those decisions, then all of a sudden everything kind of glistens in front of it. You know, either you are or you aren't in the NFL, right? Um, And so a little bit like that in the college game, although there is a, a bit of leeway to, say, build a program and the patience for that program, and certainly the first couple of years with Coach Babers, you know, you had to exercise the transition and understand the, you know, the potential and, and kind of what was going to be needed to survive. And then they had the great year last year. The thing is, they haven't been able to maximize it. And that's the tough part of where we are in college football. Um, I mean, you look at somebody, I'll give you NC State as an example, back-to-back nine-win seasons, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're going to have a hard time getting to a bowl game. And that's frustrating, especially when you think you've taken those next steps like Syracuse did last year. And that that makes it especially tough, but this is a league that will at times, you know, reduce you if you're not careful. And that's the kind of the beauty and the curse of the ACC all in one. And I think we're getting ready to see it in basketball, believe it or not, where there are a lot of teams that are kind of in that similar zone, if you will. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out the rest of the year in football. And I think incredibly curious to see what happens 
here in the first 60 days of the basketball season, to be honest with you. NC State, a school like Syracuse, but just a few months ahead in the coach re-up process. Dave Doran got himself a bump uh, when he had flirtations with Tennessee and all that. That was a little before uh, Coach mm-hmm. Baber's upswing in, in contract extension. On the Burdick Toyota guest line, our guest is uh, Wes Durham, and he'll be here this week, Brian, for uh, Packer and Durham from the Mellow Center. I say, well, Wes, Wes, let's get to some good news. We've gotten you out of Packer's basement this week. You're, you're coming up here for the show Wednesday morning. It is basketball season. What's this like this week? Because this is a, a start to an ACC basketball season like there has never been before. This is going to be a pretty cool couple days here. Yeah, it could be. I think it starts tomorrow night. Obviously, there, there are three games tomorrow night. On There are two on the network, one on ESPNU, and then obviously Duke plays Kansas on ESPN as part of the uh, Champions Classic. And I think that you know the conference games themselves, and 14 schools are playing, so seven conference games here over the next, what, three nights. And I look at, the, I look at it as a very, very unique twist. Um, I also think, and, and I was kind of telling you about, you know, we got a lot of teams of similar stature here. I think we're going to find out, you know, certainly right away where some teams are. But I'll also caution this, too. I don't think we have dominant teams out there yet, if that makes sense. I, look, I think Louisville will be very good. I think Duke, Carolina, Virginia, obviously well-done well teams, you know, who have potential. But don't be surprised if in the first you know, 30 to 45 days that each of those teams has a loss because I think we're still dealing with unfinished products in a lot of ways. And certainly Virginia, where, you know, they'll play the Orange on Wednesday night. That's a team that lost three starters, three really good starters from the national championship team. Um, you're talking about Braxton Key potentially being the most veteran guy back, Kihei Clark, uh, Mama Diakite, obviously. And it's a brand new team for Tony Bennett in many respects. And so, um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch Virginia. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch a team like Notre Dame, uh, who's been you know besieged with injuries the last couple of years, but has a double-double walk in the floor in John Mooney. Uh, and then you get the kid back, Rex Fluger, who missed uh, almost all of last year with an injury. And I think the Qs will be interesting, too. Just the different dynamics and different pieces that, uh, that come into play for Coach Bayheim. And, and you guys, you'll laugh about this, but the real test is, is he – Really, it's about playing man to man because if he is, that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Uh, spo- spoiler alert, uh, Wes. No, <laughs> yeah. no, we didn't no, see a, we I didn't know. see a possession of man in the two <laughs> exhibition games. Well, and that's and, and see that's the beauty of it. He said it, and it was almost <laughs> like yeah, right. And you know, he I don't I don't want to say he doubled down on it, but the fact that you know he said it got people talking. And uh, in fact, I noted to somebody yesterday on the phone. I said. Well, allegedly, Bayheim may play man to man, and he goes, "Yeah, and you know, the sun will rise in the west." So, um, I, I don't expect to see it either. But I am interested to see the Orange play Virginia because of all the new elements they've got and some of the returning elements to see where they are as uh, as nineteen twenty starts. Good stuff. There's a lot of things we could allege here, uh, Wes, but we'll save that <laughs> for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Up against it, but uh, you will definitely have a bigger studio on uh, Wednesday than you're accustomed to in the morning, so so that's good. Yeah, well, we're excited to be there, and uh, I know the uh, the network and everybody else is excited to be there to have uh, to have the game on uh, on Wednesday night at the Dome, and I'm excited after being there a couple times for football this year to see long term what that facility is going to look like. I'm excited for the university community and obviously Syracuse in general to. 
to have something that's uh, renovated and updated, and I'm excited to see kind of what Pete Sala and John Wildhack and everybody involved in that project come away with. You and me both. All right, buddy. We will uh, we'll see you down the road. We appreciate it, and uh, safe travels back, okay? Thanks. I appreciate it. Good to be with you guys, as always. Wes Durham, our man on the uh, Burdick Toyota guest line. Congratulations to the uh, Myron family, Bob and Diane Myron, who have been very, very generous over the years uh, with their donations to the university. They're taking care of the kind of connection between the mm-hmm. dome and the, the barn center at the Arch and uh, visiting with some folks the other night. Sounds like that's going to be just spectacular over there. So uh, looking forward to seeing that all uh, take shape. And the, the Myrons uh, between there and Newhouse have uh, so you're, put, put their mark on a lot of You're lot a of permanent things. member of the Board of Trustees? Like whether it's, you're on it, you've done some stuff. That's right. Life member, it said. Yeah, yep. so that's that's a heck of a title. So we thank uh, Wes Durham for joining us. Back with more in just a moment as we roll along In the Booth on ESPN Radio. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Back in the booth. Got to work at a phone call quickly. Dave in Syracuse on the show. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Very quickly, I got a comment and a question for you guys. Uh, I know that other position coaches are going to be evaluated and whatnot, but my question's in the, in the area of strength and conditioning. One thing I observed, I don't know if my perception or if you guys agree, but I'm looking at going to the pit game and the BC game. We are much smaller than the other team, particularly along the lines. And um, I'm wondering if strength and conditioning is one thing they're going to look at differently in my question to you guys, being so close to the program, our best offensive lineman, Aaron Service, played at 290 to 295 last year and lost 20 pounds to play at 270. Was there a, a, a thinking that went behind that or that you know of? And why did he go down so far and wait to play offensive line this year? Well, especially if the goal was for him to play tackle, I guess would be a question. But no, uh, he, he's told me that he slimmed down specifically yeah. to play tackle just for a quickness thing, and then obviously it just didn't work out that way, and he ended up back at center. But but I'll say this, uh, Dave. Yeah. If I had to rank the the staff members that were most of a lock in in the Dino Babers regime, I'd put strength and conditioning near the very top, It'd maybe be higher than first on yeah, the list. Yeah, m- maybe number one. Uh, I think. Yeah. He thinks that's the secret sauce. He wants to go fast. He's going to have probably smaller offensive linemen than uh, opposition. Um, you're not wrong in terms of the overall size and strength that comes back to recruiting and, and who you can get and how you develop them. I will say this. A.J. Dillon has exposed not just Syracuse, but everybody. So, Dave, we thank you. Uh, up against the end of the show here, unfortunately. Back tomorrow. Call then, everybody. Tomorrow at 2 in the booth.